0: Agents Podcasts. This episode of the Lab Coat Agents Podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre foreclosures, and geo leads. The number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all in one lead management platform. Free with any lead subscription. With Red X, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. Red X is offering our listeners $150 off. Just go to redx.bz R-E-D-X forward LCA. That's red xbz forward LCA to sign up for Red X today. So, off air, I was just having a conversation with our guest today, who uh, is like an OG of the Lab Code Agents podcast. As I looked up when we scheduled this, uh, he was episode number 43 in the top 50. Now we're uh, up in the 220s. And uh, so, damn near 200 episodes later, we are bringing Jim Remley back, who is a grizzled veteran, not only of the podcast, but also of the industry has been a top 1% performer across the nation. And as he was just telling me, has recently uh, left his brokerage or sold out to become a full-time coach. And I imagine you're still advising your brokerage, but you've had incredible success. So Jim, welcome back. First Please. of all, we're going to talk about a lot of industry-specific uh, topics that are very relevant to what's going on in the real estate world today. And I know that you're you're living in the coaching world now, but uh, give us a little bit more, you know, in-depth uh, response to, to what's happening in your world. What led you? Because just assume not everybody listened to episode 43. So tell us a little bit about yourself and then kind yeah, of where yeah, you perfect. are where you are today.
1: So I've uh, been in the business for 32 years in the industry. Uh, started when I was 19. Um, failed spectacularly for the first six months, like a lot of us, <laughs> but kind of got started to figure it out after, uh, back then we didn't have podcasts like this, listened to, but read a lot of books, went to a lot of seminars. And, uh, over my next year after that first six months took 150 listings and got listed at the top 1%. And then, uh, from there at 23 opened my first company and we grew that to 17 offices over about 10 years the largest independent uh, operator in Oregon um and then I sold that my interest in that right before the crash in 2006 so I got really lucky <laughs> and then I um did it again I I came down got, got recruited to come down and help another company grow in southern Oregon and we grew that from 38 agents to 250 agents over about 10 years going from about 100 million million in business to 1.4 billion dollars doing 3000 transactions a year and got, got listed in the top top um, 500 companies in America. So that's my big claim to fame right there. <laughs> uh, and since then, I've, I've recently sold my interest in, in the company and um, I've been doing a, a lot of brokerage coaching and working with agents, some of the top agents in the country to help them grow. Is it safe to say that you just,
0: uh, you just won't go away?
1: Just won't go away. I'm just <laughs> like a bad weed. Right.
0: Uh, I'm guessing that it's more of a... Uh, you could retire, but choose It's just in your lifeblood and you have fun and you enjoy this and it's what it's all about, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think, you know, you have um, not an obligation, but I feel like a need to help other people grow. And I, when I see brokerage owners and agents um, that could, I think can scale quickly if they just have a couple of pushes in the right direction, I think it's fun to help them. And I get a lot of satisfaction out out of watching them grow. Awesome. Very cool. So,
0: you mentioned now you're 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 getting into to coaching but obviously you have a long a long tenure in the real estate business and you know as we were discussing a little bit offline you know we are in a a a, a a place in our industry's history that is kind of unprecedented. It's a very unique time and and we're coming out of as everyone's discussed in Ignosum, you know, it's you just had to have a pulse in 20 and 21 and it was easy to get business and now all of a sudden you got to work for it and it's really hitting the real estate industry hard right now. And and mortgage industry they've been living in this for a year and a half. So if you're listening in mortgage, you already know what I'm talking about. And now here we are and we've got this super high rates that don't seem to be coming down anytime soon. You've got no inventory. You've got home prices that have priced out two generations of humans. And we're sitting here wondering, like, there's 4 million something transactions going to go down this year with 3 million licensed real estate professionals. How in the hell am I going to survive? What is your take just on all of that, just the, the general concept or thoughts about around that?
1: Yeah. Well, we, you know, we're definitely in a market that I've been through five downturns, but this one's unique in that it's a unique animal in that we have a situation where we have very low inventory and also a kind of a down market where you typically would not see that. And it's it's causing it to be almost a catch 22 times two, because we can't, even with the buyers we do have, we can't find things to sell to them. And the sellers who would normally be panicking and putting their houses on the market are locked in and they're not selling. So, um, it, it for for agents that are like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think we have to all we all have to accept that we can't control the market. The market is the market. The only thing we can control is ourselves within the market, and what we do every day in terms of strategy is the way we win. The only thing we can change is our strategies. Mm-hmm. And so we have to say, okay, my strategies from two years ago obviously aren't going to work. We've got to we've got to pivot. We've got to change, and we've got to adapt to this new market reality. And here's the reality is that, you know, the the projections out there, two to 300,000 agents are going to leave this industry in the next 12 months. Uh, And, you know, we're seeing that I think 80,000 have already left. Um, So it's going to be a little bit of a cleaning house, which is good for the industry. But for the agents that are strong, that can weather the storm, that can pivot and change the strategy, what I think is going to happen might take 24 months, might take 18 months. We're going to come out the other side. Interest rates will come down, be a massive surge of buyers into the market and a massive pool of sellers that are saying, gosh, I finally could get my house on the market and sell it. So you're going to have all these agents that are left standing, maybe a million less agents, maybe two million less agents that are going to reap the rewards of all this business. It's just whether you're strong enough to get through this, this period of time. And, you know, what I tell my agents is when you look at when you read a book, when you watch a movie, you know, nothing is more boring than watching people at the top what the most interesting part of any story is the struggle. And right now you're going through the struggle and the struggle is what's going to define you. And 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you're not going to talk about how good it was. You're going to talk about, I lived through this struggle. I lived through this tough market. Here's what I did to get through it. That'll be the interesting part of your life.
0: So there's two trains of thought
1: there. Uh,
0: You've got you've got the the perpetual conversation and believe me i've been saying this to all the people i coach as well almost i feel like too long now but it's like when when you come out the other end like just hang in there so the the two trains of thought are, are this one it's survival yeah what's the best way to survive and you know i'm not going to use the word thrive because i think that's that's just not going to happen. I don't care who you are. You're not thriving relative to what you did in 21, period. I, if if you are, you are truly a unicorn or you really sucked in 21, one of the two. And so, w- so let's talk about survival first yeah. and sure. then let's shift it to, okay, I survived. Now, how do I thrive when this influx happens which i agree is just a matter of time it's, we just don't know when that's going to happen
1: yeah demographically it, it just has to happen right so it's it's a matter of time so it's a matter of when i, I do want to just rewind and talk for just two seconds is i i managed our companies through to the great recession and we thought that was the end of the world literally everybody thought that the end of the world had happened and it, it felt like it was never going to come back and then you know there was a lot at the end of the tunnel and then all those agencies survived crushed it for 10 years. So, you know, there is there is a lot you're of talking, people. You're talking mid-90s? Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about 2000, the people that were at 2008. 2008 oh, seven and eight. Yep. Seven eight, the great recession. Yep. Uh, so, but in terms of what can we do now in terms of survival, I think you have to look at the markets uh, and where the opportunities within the market. When, they, when there's a down market, there's opportunities. Up market, there's opportunities. Where are the opportunities, right? So we got to think, kind of think about it um strategically and I think for me in my market I say first number one it's sellers obviously if you can list a property the vast majority of listings are still selling and they're still selling a lot of them are multiple offers over full price even in today's market which is shocking and still the average house has 3.5 offers today and about 40 percent of them are selling in the first 30 days so there's still a strong seller demand so then the question is well how do I get these sellers right what who are the sellers that are going to actually unlock and come to market statistically right now, I just read a study about this. The most likely seller is, a 45 to, is age 45 to 55 years old, own the house more than 15 years. Um, and so this is what we're we're targeting with our coaching is, okay, let's t- identify these people in your market, whether you're using like um, propertyradar.com or whichever system you're using to identify them, you're targeting them 45 to 55, 15, year, 15 years or older in terms of how long they've owned the house, and if you can identify it, people that have an interest rate currently of 5% or more. There people that have an interest rate of 5% or more are 50% more likely to come to market than people that have a less than a 5% mortgage rate. So yes, that's a small group of people. But if I can narrow my message into the group of people that are most likely to sell, my percentage of success will go up dramatically. So that, I mean, that's the first step is you got to really be narrow in your focus, be super intentional. Shotgun approach isn't going to work. You got to be super, super focused. And then you look at their um, their triggers, like what what is their, their biggest trigger for coming to market? So that's, we call this focusing on the five whys. Why would you why would you put your house in the market, right? So maintenance is going to be a big one for this group. They don't want to do the maintenance on the home. So they're like, I'm out, I don't want to do maintenance. Moving closer to family and friends, big one. Um, climate is now becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger one, right? Um, it could be that they're in a retirement stage and they want to right size their house. They don't want the big house. And it could be uh, relative to costs of maintaining a big house too. So there's there's like the five, the, the five whys we call it. We created a whole campaign around the five whys and and really hammering that. Here's what most agents do that's incorrect, in my opinion. And we've all experienced it. Like if I'm at home and I get a postcard in the mail, nine times out of ten from a realtor, it's gonna say, do you want to know what your house is worth in today's market? Boring. Or you know, mm-hmm. list with me because of I'm the superstar in the market. Who gives a crap? Right. Yep. Yep. Instead, we would need to focus on why would they even consider selling? And then secondarily, just layered on top of that is you've got a lot of sellers who would sell, but that don't want to put their house on the market right now. So this kind of under the under the radar kind of uh, hidden inventory is something that agents should really target. And the way we're targeting it is we're saying in our mailings, by the way, we don't do postcard mailings. Our big focus is letter mailings, much, much more effective um, in my opinion, and something that was doing eight thousand pieces of mail myself as an agent, I can tell you that I've tested both at nauseum. But when I when you do this mailing and you're targeting people, one strategy is to say, "Listen, even if you're not considering putting your house in the market, but would consider an offer on your property, please reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you." For me, like a year ago, I just built a house. But a year ago, in my other house, we were in the in the process of building, and so. We weren't quite ready to go on the market, but if any realtor had come to me and said, Jim, will you sell your house? I would have said, absolutely, I'll sell my house, but I didn't want to, ha- I didn't want to have it on the market yet because I wasn't ready. So th- there's a big, big, huge group of those people that would respond well to that message. So that's one target that, you know, what can we control? Let's go after a niche that we know is going to be the most active sellers statistically.
0: What would you, so let's take, let's continue down that conversation. And then, so what are the best ways to reach them? the best ways to reach that, that particular. Yeah. Seller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so now we've, we've identified who to target, who they are, how do we actually connect with them? That isn't going to, because, you know, our industry is very guilty of all like monkey see monkey do, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so how do we, how do we do so? How can we differentiate, but actually have an impact
1: and reach these people? My, for me, it's mailings. Number one, I, I think doing an old school mailing is different than 99% of agents now because most agents have gone completely to social media, which I'm not opposed to social media. Mm-hmm. And I think you can do both. Uh, you know, the Red X has a system called now brand build, which you can map a geographic area, put lines around it, and you can do social media ads directly to those homeowners in that marketplace. There's other mm-hmm. systems that do it too, but I think the Red X is doing a good job of it.
0: Geofencing, fencing yeah.
1: Geo-fencing that, that market area. And then your your ads go into that into that that market area, and, and that's one strategy. I think the mailing strategy is really uh, important. Um, I, I've seen some agents experimenting with text um, cold texting strategies, which I think is interesting. Um, I don't know how effective it is unless you have a really specific um, reason for reaching out. And, and I'll give you an example of that, and one that actually worked with me personally. Um, I own a lot of investment properties. So I got somebody that reached out to me through a cold text and said, Jim, would you consider selling your RV park that you own? And I said, Well, not really, but you know, if you have one, if you find somebody else I will sell, I'd be interested in talking to you because I'm in the market to buy more. And so um lo and behold, guy calls me about three months later, says, Jim, you responded to my text. I do have another one that came up on the market. Said, so tell me about it. And I actually bought it so that he got a, a 4.5 million dollar sale as a result of a cold text so cold texting can work you just got the right specific message to make it work so yeah. i'd say cold texting social media geofencing and letter campaigns if you're aggressive you could make the calls too i just my my opinion is that most agents don't make the calls <laughs> mm-hmm. so you know it's just not not in the yeah. cards for most agents
0: yeah it's not really meeting the consumer where they want to be met either because it's kind of an annoyance for most consumers uh, to get a phone call even even texting is becoming that nuisance and so that's why I think it's probably why it's third on your list yeah um I feel like I pressured you to say social media just because of what's on my wall um <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't mean for that because really what I want I, I do want to hear your opinion this audience hears from me all the time they know I'm I'm a big fan of organic social and not even not even the geofencing type not even the targeted stuff none of that I just I'm just preaching organic and that's why I want to get different opinions because they're as I I tell people all the time i firmly believe and have the backing and the success to prove that my strategy works it doesn't mean it's the only strategy it's just if you like this if you like what i preach well then you're going to like what i what i say but frankly a lot of asians they don't because it's it's different for them and i something that you said to me that i want you to elaborate on which is i like mailing because so many agents are going to social media yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. So, are you are do you have to have any data or any statistics that say they're not doing this as much? So now there's less infiltration of mailboxes,
1: and now there's more opportunity. I don't have the I don't have data to back it up. I can tell you just ans- an anecdotally that I believe that very very few agents are doing mailings, and the agents that are doing mailings are doing a very generic postcard mailing that they can just check a box and say mail this to 500 people in this database. Not really well thought out. It's not a letter campaign. And I just have had the experience with letter campaigns. I can give you the numbers behind letter campaigns for myself and my, my students is this. For every 100 pieces of mail you send out, you receive one positive response. For every 800 positive responses then, or eight, every eight, you receive one listing immediately. Mm-hmm. But um, that you still have seven sellers that have reached raised their hand and said they're interested in selling. Those generally come back about half of that. So three to four listings over the next one to two years. So you got one immediate, once to raise their hand, says, "I want to do business now." You got three to four mo- more leads that are going to do business in the next couple of years. What does that cost you? Eight hundred pieces of mail is going to be twelve to fifteen hundred dollars. So, what I love about um, mailings is I'm in complete control. I'm not waiting. I know my numbers. I, I have an algorithm of sales, and I can say if I want a listing, if I spend fifteen hundred dollars, I know I'm statistically going to get a listing, and I'm going to have four, seven more leads to work. And I can, if I, if I can get that algorithm to work in my market, then I can, it's just a no matter of how many listings and how much dollars I'm going to spend. So, you know, I've seen, and what I like about this is I've actually coached agents that were spending twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a month on Zillow ads, totally pivoted to mailings and recreated their business. And now we're in total full control.
0: Yeah. Is that 800 per month?
1: Uh, 800. If you, you could send them per week, you could send them. I mean, I was doing 8,000 pieces of mail a month, but 8,000, sorry. 8, yeah. yeah. Per month, 8,000 per month. Yeah.
0: Uh, and so, okay, uh, I want to I want to continue to to drill down on that because um, obviously you know the data and that that's real data and that's what I love and it's just social is another great example. It's like that's why I'm so passionate about it because I have data to back it up. What's worked right and what does work. Now, when we're talking about doing these mailings now, you did mention like don't do the generic stuff. Uh, this is what they're checking boxes. Do they're doing the same thing with social too, by the way. They're checking a box. I posted today. Um, but it doesn't work because they don't know what they're doing. And so when it comes to mailing, because you've had so much success with this, there's actually two things I want to say. First, I want you to get a little bit more granular on what has worked for you. Uh, give some advice and some tips that you think might work right now. Uh, second is, is have, I mean, why not partner with, I mean, you know, I'm a part of a mortgage company that has a marketing department built to support mailing, which is kind of, yeah, it is drifting away, but if yeah. you partner with the right, you know, ancillary businesses, you could probably cut that expense. Have you, have you done that? Um, and I just gave you two questions. So I don't know which one you answer, one answer first
1: uh i have i have seen agents i haven't done it myself i've seen agents partner with lenders the only problem that i see with that which can be an issue is you get if if the lender is required because of rescillood laws to and have, they should and they should be and they should be to have their branding included or have a marketing message included then you're getting a mixed message in the marketing which may affect your overall statistical yeah. performance execution sure and mm-hmm. so for me I I wouldn't give up I wouldn't cut my costs in half to get to get half the result or less than half the result yeah. in my opinion, so that's just personally um, so
0: so in other words before we get to the next
1: that's it, checking of the box that's a uh,
0: well I don't want to spend as much money as he said I had to so I'm going to Cheat the system and get it for less. And listen, if you have a lender who's splitting the cost and they're not on it, they're doing it illegally, and you both can get in trouble. I would not recommend doing that. Right. Uh, CFPB just came down hard on an agent and a mortgage company over this kind of stuff. Uh, so I'm glad you said that, and I love that you said that because there's so many agents that do like, well, uh, what's the cheapest way to get the result? You know, and and hey, listen, success doesn't come easy or cheap. No. And 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 Jim, you're 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 a great example of that. So then, okay, the next question. Sorry. It, it, so
1: the first, what was the first question? Remind me.
0: Uh, so I was talking about uh, the expenses and then, or splitting the expenses. But then, what what works? What have oh, you work, seen work, yeah. that yeah. works?
1: For sure. So um, the the number one ones that have have worked for us. We have one called the perfect farming letter, but it's basically taking an active buyer that you have. And whenever you have an active buyer, you should look at it instantaneously as this is an opportunity to do a mailing into a neighborhood. So when you drive in a, a client through a neighborhood and they're like, this is a place I want to live. Great. Which, how would you feel about me doing a mailing to see if there's anybody that would be willing to sell in this market? That's not quite on the market yet. They are maybe thinking about it, talking about it with a wife. A lot of times I can find listings that don't even hit MLS and we can buy them. Would you be cool with me doing that? I won't give you personal information out. Sure. Now I'm going to do a mailing to that neighborhood and say, I have an active buyer, but with our perfect uh, we call it a perfect farming letter. One of the the key sentences that we've learned. And, and I didn't create this. My what I love is that one of my students did it and gave me the results back. He he added to our letter basically it says I have a, we have a buyer that's actively looking in your market, gives as much detail as the buyer's willing to give. They're pre-qualified. Um, we're not asking for your listing. Their the buyer's timeline is April to May. You know, this is not an investor. They're willing to pay fair market value. We'll do a CMA, Come get, get everybody to come to both some mutual agreement kind of thing. Very, very s- simple and easy letter. But he added this language, which increased, doubled his response rate, which says currently your home in the county records has an assessed value of blank. I think that's low looking at the market conditions. That's it. And what he did is he, of course, did a mail merge and he brought that data in. So it would say, you know, current county value has you at $187,282. I think that's low based on market conditions. And it just goes on with the letter. But that's created a tremendous amount of response uh for agents that are using that little small technique. The why? other te- why do you why do you think that is? Because people instantly disagree with the assessed value and it's it's a it's a trigger point for them and they're, tr- they're emotionally triggered by it. <laughs> so <laughs> he's gotten a lot of people just text me. I think it's wrong. You know, that's
0: kind of like. so funny that you say that because it's exactly what works on social.
1: <laughs> it's the same concept. I love it. Okay. Go on. The second, the second one we've seen a lot of success with, and this is a really, I would say almost like magic. So, and we took this idea from a, a gal that I work with, who's now the, running the company I sold, uh, Tiffany Wilkerson, amazing marketing person. She, and she got in her mailbox a couple of years ago, a uh, mailing from a, a, a tree limbing company, right? And it was a flat. So it looks like it's, it looks like a piece of paper, but it's been laid in your mailbox. So there's mailing companies that will do the flat look. It's eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, but it's, it's been mailed to you. Um, but anyway, on the letter, it said, hey, we're a local tree trimming service. Um, and we have, um, we're going to be coming into your neighborhood, working on one of your neighbor's houses this week. Um, listen, if you'd like us to stop by your house and give you a free estimate to trim up some of your limbs while we're in tent, while we're on, on site, we'd be happy to do so. Just reach out to this phone number. And a light bulb went off in her head. She said, we could apply this to real estate and we should. So we took that concept and we used what we call curiosity marketing. And so our curiosity marketing concept was when you're about ready to take a listing, you haven't taken it, signs, or maybe you've taken it, but the sign hasn't gone up. You do a mailing to that little neighborhood, you know, 50 homes, very targeted, maybe a hundred homes. And you say, Hey guys, um, Jim Remley here, I'm with ABC Real Estate. I'm listing a house in your neighborhood in the next seven days. I'm gonna be over in your neighborhood several times getting the house prepared for sale. I've already done all the research in your area. If you're curious about what your home is worth, I can give you a quick evaluation, no cost or obligation, if you like to have an update. I'm anticipating multiple offers and a ton of showings on this property. Please give me a call or text if you like. You just turned on a bunch of curiosity buttons. Number one, whose house is going on the market? Number two, what have you found that's interesting about the market data? It was just a lot of ways that that just comes together. That's gotten a ton of response to that That simple letter. I love that,
0: man. I love that. Do you have, so as you're talking about these, first of all, they're not your traditional postcard mailers. These are letters. Letters. So it's a far, far less expensive cost to produce. It's really just the stamp essentially, right? Yeah. Interesting. Are you using, when you're doing these letters, are you are you having them typed or are you using a platform that uses kind of like AI writing to make it look like a human's writing a letter?
1: Um, they're typed. I mean, they're always typed. They're easy to read. I, I do like the idea of the faux mm-hmm. handwritten letter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those had a time when they worked really, really well. I don't know that they're working as well now because they've been used a lot, but I'm, I'm a kind of a fan of that, but no, these are always typed letters. Yeah. Um, and you know, a, a digital signature that looks like it's been signed. Yep. Um, it's not, it's okay to use a uh, bulk rate. Um, a lot of people like the first class stamp, but it's okay to go bulk rate. It's okay to go uh, every door direct, every door direct. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. know about, but it's actually cheaper than bulk rate. you give one mailing that's covering an it's high mail carriers route yeah. and it's going into every single person's box. That's also yeah.
0: yeah. You just can't, you can't be, you can't, it can't be a specific audience. It's just gotta be right. a broad audience that way. Everybody. Yep. Yep. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, I, that's I mean, I think right there uh, everyone just got some gold there uh, and and that's uh, it's it's really in just thinking slightly outside that box like you say when you got that buyer um is is the ultimate goal when you do that when the, when we're talking about the first strategy. So buyer in neighborhood I'm going to mail it to that neighborhood is the Goal as much to get a house for that buyer as much as it is to potentially get another listing.
1: It's more about the listing. It's yeah. very low odds you're going to find a house for that specific buyer. It yeah. does happen, but it's rare, right? So it's you, just
0: like an open house. You're basically doing open houses for buyers. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, let's 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 move on. I mean, that was that was good. Uh, so mailing social texting. Uh, have you had any success, just because I have to ask, have you had any success on anything that you can share with a social strategy? Social. So, you mentioned geofencing specifically.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, So one one strategy, which kind of leads back to what you were asking about, what are, what are some other ways to, to do it? Um, I actually had a, a couple of people on my podcast and we talked about this in depth and we tested it and it seems to work really well, is uh, using educational marketing. And educational marketing in the sense that I'm going to give something away in exchange for you to give me your contact information so we can mm-hmm. start a relationship. And what am I going to give away? Well, if I'm targeting sellers, it's going to be one thing. If I'm targeting buyers, it's another. But if I'm targeting sellers, potential sellers, you know, you might come up with like you know five ways to prepare your home for sale, seven ways to get top dollar, three ways not to use a realtor, you know, funny things like that. You go know, the reverse of it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best strategy I've seen with that is. You can do a booklet or something that's you know physically printable or whatever. That's okay. But what I've seen really be successful, which I thought was interesting, was a, was using webinars that appear to be live, but that are not truly live. So the first one you shoot is live, right? And then you use a system like Webinar Jam or WebinarNinja.com. And both those systems will make it look like the the webinar is live, but it's not really live. Um, and by using those, what happens is people sign up for it. They they they're brought into the web- webinar. They look. They feel like they're in a live webinar. And then afterwards, you have a drip campaign that that drips out to them, where you try to capture them as a client. And you can have a direct sale too. Um, I'm sorry. Can I? I got to turn something off here. It's my robot. Yeah, you're just- fine. Uh,
0: editors, just cut this out.
1: Yeah. Robot vacuum went off at the wrong time. So Webinar, Webinar Jam, Webinar Ninja, um, both great systems to use. Um, but here's what I, I think is really interesting. I had Dan Lesniak on my program from Hyperfast Agent, and he was and talking about his strategy with them. And what he does with, is with buyers, buyer seminars with them. So he does a buyer seminar. At the end, you know, you're closing and he says, now, listen, if you want, I'll send you guys out. In fact, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to send you out a buy representation agreement if you'd like to work with us. Now, he's done a, just, a, just done a 45-minute webinar on why, you know, all the aspects of buying a house and why you should use us kind of thing. And then that just drips out to them as a sign. Then they can DocuSign that, that uh, buy representation agreement. So, literally, that webinar is repeating every 45 minutes, just bing, 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 every day, 365, seven days a week. And then just miraculously, you know, buyer representation agreements are coming back to him in an email. So it's like automated with stream appliance in a, a sales funnel. I thought that was a really brilliant idea. And I think relating it to sellers, uh, I, I love as well. Can't, of course, you can't do a listing that way, but you can certainly start a relationship that way. Is there, have
0: you, the only thing that I, I counter anytime you're doing something very specific to our business is that it becomes very, uh, it's self-serving. You know, and so it it becomes and it's becoming more challenging to penetrate organically. Now, if you're targeting that's different. If you're paying money to run ads, okay. But organically, if you're gonna be talking about your business, especially as it relates to real estate or mortgage, you're gonna have a hard time getting any engagement, which means it's stuff not showing up. Which means it's hurting your algorithm, you know, for your other content, and so it's it it becomes challenging. Would you are you in your mindset? Are you more on the 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 vein of running targeted ads around this stuff, or okay?
1: It would be all targeted ads. I mean, for that specific thing, I I agree. Organically, it wouldn't it wouldn't pan out probably because you're you have a limited audience with your organic, uh, and I I think to to have a a wider audience would be necessary in that in that specific case. Yeah,
0: awesome. 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 Okay. So let's, uh, let's, let's shift. Let's, let's go on to something else. Uh, What, what, uh, you know, you're, you have a podcast, you're doing some coaching. Again, we're living in kind of unprecedented times. I know you've been through a bunch of these. I would argue this. I've been in the business since 2000. So not as long as you, uh, but I've seen enough and I've seen some cycles and this one hits different. And Mm -hmm. so, you know as we talk about the, the fact that a lot of people even some listening uh, may not be in the business in 6 months because you just can't feed your family right. you know uh, what are some other just thoughts that you have geared towards them cuz it's really what i want to focus on before we jump to the when we come out of this um yeah. what 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 are your what how are you advising coach or coaching or when you're talking to agents who are genuinely struggling and brokers too and yeah. you know what are you What are the things you're talking about with them?
1: Well, one thing that i'm I'm encouraging everybody to do is that you know we, we kind of had this old model in the business, which was you know eighty percent of your business came through your sphere. and and because of that, you know you look at your model, this was two or three years ago, you'd say you need to have ten people in your sphere to close one transaction. So you can just do the math and you'd say, you know if you want to close ten transactions, you need hundred people in your sphere. Well, those numbers don't work today at all.' They're, it's a completely broken model because, the the people in your sphere aren't doing business like they were a year or two ago. So then you have to reassess, like, what is my current numbers? And you have to, you know, the path is in the math. You have to figure out your math for your business. And until you do, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. So you can have to say, okay, what is my sphere or what is my sales funnel producing? And how am I going to adapt to the new market? So for, for instance, let's assume that you, you now are at a 20 to one ratio. So every 20 people in your sphere of influence, you're averaging one sale. Now you have a gap because maybe you had 300 people in your sphere of influence that was producing 30 sales two years ago, and now it's producing 15 and you can't feed your family. So there's one solution. And it, it, you can apply this to social media too, And my in my belief, is that they're both audiences, right? Your social media is an audience, your sphere of influence is an audience. Mm-hmm. And you just got to say, okay, my in order to be, to be successful, my audience has to be bigger, period. Yeah. So the, what's the fastest path for me to growing this audience? I've got to fill the gap. So all of us in the industry have an audience gap. So you got to figure out what's my, what is the size of my audience gap and how fast can I fill it? How do I fill it? That's, that's it really for all of us. And, and then you figure out, okay, what's going to be my, my path. Is it going to go after, you know, for sale by owners, is it going to be absentee owners? Is it going to be, you know, what is it going to be to fill that path, that gap? So that's, that's what I'm coaching my people on. And then I'm saying, you know, let's be honest and really, um, just start with the basic foundational things. We can say the market's in the toilet, and it is. We can say the market's you know, struggling, and it is. But let's go back to January 1st. Let's all hop in a DeLorean and go back to January 1st of this year. And let's say, strategy-wise, what have you done with the current people that are in your audience? Have you called all of them? Have you sent a text to everybody mm. once or twice? Have you sent personal emails to everybody? Have you done networking meetings with three or four people a week? You know, have you done an event this year? Well, what have you done specifically? Have you been doing an email newsletter twice a month? You know, are you doing video texts? And you know, what is it exactly that you've done? And if you go back and you say, well, there's 10 things I could have done and I've only done three of them, then the market's not your problem. You're the problem. You know, you're the issue here. So before we start whining about the market, let's start literally being... Critical and self-critical, and saying, "What can we do to actually improve our strategy?" Because right there, the basic strategy—before we start talking about social media and everything else—what is your basic strategy, and is it working? Right. So that's that's my starting point with everything. Mm, yeah, let's, the leads
0: do don't it. suck. You suck. Yeah, you suck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right.
0: um, I, I love it. I love it. Uh, and so. As you're identifying, and, and you know, again, the first thing that I think of because you you mentioned a couple of ideas for tar, you know, finding, you know, who that niche audience is going to be. I mean, the one thing that I tell real estate agents a lot is, is you know, unless you have something unique like investors or something like that, to me, the easiest hack in today's world, again, I always go back to social is community based. Uh, Audience, Because when you think back 10 years ago to how did you grow your audience, it was somewhat limited. It was friends, family, and it was sphere of influence based around church, networking groups, uh, maybe teams, sporting teams, your kids, teams, parents, you know, it was very limited. And, and today, even post COVID, where we can get back out in the world, like I now work from home and almost don't need to leave the home because my audience just continues to grow. It just If you just follow that lead of what you described, it doesn't have to be community based. That's just an easy one, in my opinion,
1: yeah. uh,
0: because everybody wants to consume stuff around their, their, you know, it's like, hey, it's almost Labor Day, five things to do within an hour drive of my community, post it, like, people will eat that up, they'll share it, they'll save it, they'll say thank you, uh, you know, do stuff like that, but I want to. I know that you and I are a little bit different from those veins. So yeah. give me an example. And you mentioned absentee owners or for sale by owner um, or investor. Give me an example
1: and what you would do. So there's two, there's two areas that I think are really um, definitely a, an underserved area. First, relocation. Uh, just talking about the word relocation and thinking about in, in almost every market in America, when you break down the business that's happening real estate wise, It's generally 40% is relocation, people moving into or out of your local market. Could be within the state, but they're moving, right, in and out of your market. And then 60% is local, people staying within your market area. So when you look at relocation and saying, okay, as an agent, what are you doing around just that word relocation, number one? Does Does your business card say the word relocation on it? Does your website have relocation on it? Are you marketing yourself online on social with relocation? Are you positioning yourself as a global realtor, not just a local realtor? and just some specific ideas around that is identifying your feeder markets and your exit markets. So your feeder market is, where are people coming from that are moving to you? Like if you, if you could say, well, most people that are moving here are moving from, like my market area is Medford, Oregon. So I would say, well, a lot of people are coming from San Francisco. They're it's they're bailing out of those high expensive markets. Portland, Oregon, where it's you know crime written and nobody wants to live there. Just kidding for my people in Portland. My son lives in Portland. I'm this, I'm just joking.
0: No, it's that's not a, that's not an uncommon thing to talk
1: about. <laughs> but uh, Seattle, you know, there's places that we know are feeder markets. So what I would do, and what nobody does in most in most cases is I would identify the top 10% of the realtors in both those markets or those feeder markets, maybe it's two or three. I would start farming those agents, just like a traditional farm, with calls, emails, text, and networking with those folks. And I would just say, hey, listen, I'm an I'm a agent in Southern Oregon. I'm sure once or twice or four or five times this year, you're going to have people moving to Southern Oregon. If you do, I'd love to be your referral agent of choice. Let me tell you why should, you should choose me. Number one, I'm going to pay you a bigger referral fee. I'm going to make it a unique referral fee. It's going to be, I'm going to pay you a 33 and a third, <laughs> you know, something that they're going to remember. And then I'm also going to say, and every time you send them your referral, I'm going to go ahead and update you every single week on what's happening. You're never going to have a gap in communication with me. You're going to get paid within 48 hours of the closing, you know, whatever promises you want to make around that. And now I want to position myself as that relocation specialist in that market. If you started doing that, your business would boom in a lot of cases because no realtors are doing that in most markets, right? Mm -hmm. Another thing I would target is um, in, in a local market is HR directors and, or people that are in business, that are hiring people. So this is there's a lot of hacks with this, like with LinkedIn and, and um, Indeed and you know, Monster and all this, where you can actually look at where who are who are the hiring, who's doing the hiring in your markets by going to Indeed or some of those job markets, then reaching out to those HR directors and saying, Hey, I see you're hiring for this position. Listen, I know you're selling the company, but if you'd like to have somebody sell the market area to of you're trying to relocate here, I'd be happy to be that person, no cost to the company. I'm a relocation specialist with my firm. And that is again, leaning into something that most agents aren't gonna be doing is is trying, trying, trying to create relationships with HR directors in your community. One quick hack to that too, um, which I thought was a really brilliant idea is uh, if you start a local podcast, like we have podcasts that are, that are more agent geared, but if you start, like you're saying, a community-minded podcast, and here's the reason for your community-minded podcast. Of course, you want to, to get recognized as a community leader, but it's a reason for you to make contact with business owners in your market area and create relationships. And you can say, hey, I'm a relocation specialist. I have a, a community-minded relocation-focused podcast. I want to introduce new people to the area that are moving here to, to best businesses in the market. I'd love to interview you on my podcast. Now you create a relationship with this business owner, which is actually more important than maybe your podcast because you've got this amazing new relationship, you know, that's it's something we call power center marketing. Like if you looked at your local market, the power in any market, big or small, usually rests in a very small group of people. And if mm-hmm. you can break into that group, your referrals will blow up. I mean, you will start to really do some, a lot of business. So that's a couple strategies I would use relocation, definitely being one of those. And then just back to the investor market really quickly. Um, I just read a study and I just presented to my own students this morning, 27% of the transactions being done in America, um, even with the 4 million transactions that we have, are investor deals, right? So there's an investor involved. So 27% is a big number. And you got to say, how much of my business?
0: That's that's a million.
1: Did I do any investor business, right? Yeah. And if you're not doing investor business, you're giving up 20%, 27% of the market just got smaller for you. So I need to say I've got a that's gonna be part of my 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 thing. Now what happens with a lot of agents is they get afraid of it. They say it's just too big for me. I can't handle it. But here's the here's the exciting part about that. When you dig into the numbers, Core Logic just put a report out about this, by the way, which you can find on their blog. But it shows that the vast majority of these transactions are with small to medium level investors. It's not the large institution, institutional investors. So it's mom and pop, right? Um, so what we train our agents to do. Is to do to the for rent by owner calls where they call the, the people that have the properties that are vacant and just say, Hey, I saw you have a vacancy this morning. Um, and my name is Jim Rumbland with ABC Real Estate. Reason for my call is just to see um, if you have any interest at all in selling these units. They look like there's some, some great units. And I'm working with a lot of investors that are looking for units just like yours. Um, and you get into conversation, they're going to say yes or no. If they say yes, then that's a conversation you do evaluation. If they say no, like they will nine times out of 10, I'm going to say, hey, totally understand. That sounds like a good investment. But let me ask you this. If I find other investments like this, would you have any interest in, in making a purchase? And a lot of them will say, yes, now you're creating a corral or a barn of investors. So you can get four or five investors in your barn. Now you've got a game changing strategy. And, and believe me, investors are opportunistic. They're never going to say no to a realtor who asks them that question. They're going to say yes 100% of the time because they're always looking for the next opportunity. So mm-hmm. that's a couple of strategies I would use right around the game.
0: I love it. I love it. Um a couple more questions and then we'll wrap up. Yeah. You know, you obviously as as a coach to brokers, I'm sure one of the conversations you're having right now is around just the struggle that agents are have which presents opportunity for a broker to obviously potentially grow because, you know, there's probably agents, obviously agents that are struggling. I talk to a lot of agents and the most common response that I get when I ask them about their brokerage is my brokerage does nothing for me. And so I want you to think about this answer from two perspectives. One is the obvious, which is, okay, I'm a leader. I'm a broker. I have a team. I want to grow it. How do I capitalize? But also from the agent's perspective who's living in that world like i just described my brokerage provides me no value and i'm paying you know fifteen thousand cap what for um what would you say that that agent should also be looking for so the answer might answer both of them but just kind of from both
1: perspectives knowing you know who we all have listening here so from the brokerages perspective the, the office leader the team leader's perspective um, nobody wants to work for a leader that doesn't have a vision of where they're taking the company and how they're gonna how, gonna, how they're going help individual agents succeed. Right now, by the way, my opinion, is the best recruiting opportunity in the last thirty years uh, because you have agents that are, you know desperate to find a, a new vision, a new solution. What agents want is a leader who stands up and says, "I have a game plan, I've got a strategy. Here's how you can win in this market despite the market conditions. Follow me, I'm going to show you how to get it done. They don't want a leader or team that's like, oh my gosh, the market's down. I don't know what to do. And they're very kind of either complacent or apathetic or they don't know, have a strategy in mind. They're just kind of like, I don't know. Hopefully it gets better. You know, that you're going to lose all your agents very, very rapidly. So when I'm as a a brokerage owner team leader, I first have to have number one, a vision, number two, a strategy. And I have to be really focused on recruiting and retention right now. So with recruiting, I got to be able to convey, hey, here's when you come to work for me, here's what I'm going to do. And there's only two reasons why people come to work for you. The first reason is you're gonna help them make more money. Second, you're gonna make their life easier. You wanna do both. And you got to be able to convey how you're gonna be able to do both for agents. On the on the agent side of this, and there's a, we could go really deep on that, but on the agent side of this, the reason why agents should ever consider making a change is exactly kind of what you're speaking to is what value am I getting in exchange for the money I'm investing? It's not about your emotional attachment to your broker or your brokers or people you work with. This is a business. It's not personal. So I got to say, if it's a business, what am I getting out of this business relationship? And if you're not getting what you need to be getting, you need to be moving on or looking at moving on. And you got to make the decision based on who can offer me the most value for dollar spent. That's it. It's most value for dollar spent. right? There's a lot of companies out there that... It's all, they're all, everybody's always focused on caps, 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 or, you know, whatever. Or commission split. Yeah. Commission mm-hmm. split. It's the wrong focus for agents. Because if I can take you to my company and pay you 50-50, but I can help you close 50 transactions versus where you're closing 10 transactions getting 100%, I'm bringing more home money home to your family. So you got to think about transactionally, who's going to take me to the next level transactionally? Number of transactions closed. And then the numbers are, are of course, important, but they're not as important as how many transactions you're closing. And the last thing I'll just bring on this is uh, um, from an agent, from a brokerage standpoint, as a brokerage owner leader, team leader, your number one metric, the only metric that really matters in terms of you being a successful leader is agent productivity. I measure my success. We die on this mountain is agent productivity. How much can my agents on average produce versus the competition? That's how you're measuring yourself. And when you can win and your, your agents are producing more than the rest, that's when you're attracting agents, period, full stop. Mm,
0: yeah, it's I I I love everything that you just said, and and I also love the fact that you um you know how as you're as you're articulating that to agents, uh, that you know it's I guess how the perception that most have is just kind of is wrong. You know, I mean, there's a lot of them are looking at dollars and cents, and 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 they're looking at it incorrectly. And, uh, you know, I, I know I've, I've got a lot of brokerage friends in, in the industry and, and some of them have some amazing platforms, but the one thing that I kind of, I don't think you meant it that way, but I heard, or I, you know, I, I, I interpret it that way was, you know, you're overvaluing culture. <laughs> um, and, and I think culture is very important, but it, is it more important than feeding your family? And that's, I think this, that there's a lot of agents that, well, I'd never leave my broker. And I'm like, so you're going to continue to close two transactions a year. Um, it, you also said they don't help you, but they're my friend and I don't want to leave them. Like, I lo- It's a business. like Folks, this is a business. It's not saying you can't be friends with your broker. You can't be friends with your leader. You can't have good culture. Uh, but if you are not thriving or you don't feel like your leader is putting you in a position to win, this is also advice for those leaders out there. What the hell are you doing?
1: Yeah. I mean- it can't be all culture. And that's what happens. I'm a big believer in culture as well, but culture is no excuse for lack of productivity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't excuse it, right? So you, you at the end say, of the day, it is a business. It's a business, right? Yeah. We got to run successfully and and, and make money and, yeah. and be profitable and have fun and all those things at the same time. But ultimately, we got to help you produce sales
0: unless you want to sell homes, not for profit, and then uh, you'll probably have the most successful real estate franchise in the history of the world. You'd crush. Yeah. There's a lot of brokers that are doing that right now. (laughs) Yeah. No shit. All right. uh, Let's end this with uh, what we talked about earlier, which is, all right, now we're going to look ahead and uh, the crystal ball. Um, I'm starting to believe that we, we might be, you mentioned 18, 24 months. I I don't know if it was, you know, just throwing a number out there. I'm starting to believe that might be more the case. I I think 12 months at minimum. Um, and I think people got to get their heads out of the sand and realize because especially in in the mortgage side where there's a lot of prognosticators who are predicting this event's going to happen, which is going to cause this to happen, which is going to cause business to happen. Mm -hmm. And they've been wrong this year. Uh, yeah. Just straight wrong. And so it's, you know, I think a lot of people are a little confused now. And so, uh, with that in mind, not knowing it could be 12, 24, 36 months, and we don't know. Um, yeah. And, and Powell was just out recently saying they're not going to react and make any moves like they have in the past until they get to where they want, need to go with what they're doing with inflation and all this stuff. It's over my head. I just, I know enough to be dangerous. And, and uh, so, with that said, knowing that, okay, Here's some ideas to sustain, to survive. When we come out of this, you and I both agree, there is going, I think it's going to be the biggest real estate boom in the history of time of of our lives uh, because you got two generations of humans that have not bought. You've got another generation that is living in a house that's way too big for them that is going to have a shit ton of cash uh, at their disposal. Uh, So there's, it's going to be nutty, uh, nutty good. And so- What's one tip, one piece of advice that you feel like a real estate agent needs to do to position their, their brand, their business, to capitalize like a son of a bitch from day one, not reactionary, but day one when this happens?
1: I think you have to position yourself as the expert within all your audience groups. So and number one, you got to grow your audience as fast as humanly possible between now and when that starts and through that process. But you know, you you have this this growth opportunity as agents are leaving, agents are getting apathetic. You are going to be able to grow your audience sizes, which is number one. Second, you got to position yourself as the expert. I like to use the Dave Ramsey analogy. You know, a lot of people know who Dave Ramsey is. He's a you know financial guru, For better or for worse. Yeah, for better or for worse, whether you like him or mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting about Dave Ramsey, I think last year he made north of forty million dollars in real estate referral fees, and so people are like, why in the world would somebody call Dave Ramsey's office? somewhere else to get a referral to do business with an agent in my market and maybe it's a referral coming to me what why do they trust Dave Ramsey more than me if the reason why they trust Dave Ramsey more than you is because you haven't positioned yourself as an expert in your own market. Mm -hmm. So in order for us to really win we got to be an educator and really start educating I always ask agents when's the last time you put out an educational post was it a week ago two weeks ago a month ago. So I like your idea of community-minded. I like to combine that with educationally-minded too. Mm-hmm. So that you are educating, educating, educating. The average, the average uh, person in your sphere knows twelve other realtors. So it does not doesn't matter whether you are the best looking. It's whether you are the one that they trust the most with their largest financial asset of their lives. So that that's for me. It would be positioning yourself uh, as that expert in the market and growing your audience as fast as humanly possible.
0: Awesome. Jim, if, uh, if our audience wants to connect with you, what is the best way to do so? And, and, uh, and I will remind them you're, you're based out of Oregon for what it's yep. worth, but you're also kind of removed from the business now doing coaching. So, uh, how does someone get in touch with you?
1: So my website is, uh, e real estate coach, e like elephant, uh, e real estate coach. And, uh, we're on all social under the same uh, handle e real estate coach. So you can find us there. We've got an amazing coaching program for agents, First month's only a buck to check it out and take it for a test drive, 30 days. And then we've got an amazing brokerage coaching platform for brokerages that want to grow as well. We're highly selective, have a very small group of people in that, but it's a lot of fun and people really grow their businesses quickly.
0: Awesome. Jim, it was great to uh, reconnect. Yes, sir. Uh, I guess we should go ahead and just plan for about episode number 400 now, just to keep us in line. I'm on <laughs> my calendar, man. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope I'm still kicking and doing this then. But um, yeah, and hopefully by the time we do that episode, we've come out of this and Absolutely. everybody's uh, heads are spinning with business.
1: So awesome, man.
0: I appreciate you, man. Uh, best of luck, continued luck on your endeavors. And uh, let's definitely stay in touch.
1: All right, man. Have a great day.
0: This episode of the Lab Code Agents podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre foreclosures, and geo leads, the number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all-in-one lead management platform, free with any lead subscription. With RedX, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. Redex is offering our listeners 150 off. Just go to redx.bz forward/lca That's R-E-D-X dot B-Z forward slash lca to sign up for Redex today. Agents Podcast